you're sitting in the interview with a candidate and you're just not sure, is this the right person for the job or should you keep on looking? You didn't pick up on anything worrying that you know of, but you've got a feeling inside, you know, you're not sure is it your gut that's trying to tell you this is not the right person or you're feeling extreme peace, but they didn't do very well in the interview, but you feel at peace at appointing this person. So how do you know if this is the right person for the job role or not? So in today's episode, I'll be discussing nine red flags that you can look out for during a job interview. And this should hopefully help you to decide whether this is the right person for the job role or not. As Christian women in leadership, we often find ourselves struggling with the balance between implementing faith-based leadership principles and the worldly perspectives of our colleagues and team members. You once felt passionate about leadership, but have often come up against people with fixed mindsets who are unwilling to change. You feel like giving up and stepping out of your leadership role because is it really worth it? Friend, you're in the right place. Here we're not only going to talk about the challenges, we're going to tackle them head on with a faith-based approach that's both practical and empowering. So, if you're ready to transform your leadership journey, to set boundaries that make a real impact, and to create a workplace culture where both you and your team can thrive, then join me in uncovering the strategies, wisdom, and godly guidance that will lead you to success. I'm Rekha Whelan, and welcome to the Woman of Faith in Leadership podcast. Together, we're going to navigate leadership with faith as our foundation. Let's get started. Grab your coffee or water, keep that notebook and pen handy, and let's jumpstart your leadership. Well, happy Friday, everyone. I am reading a review from AMC1007, and it reads, Rika inspired my self-reflection. Rika covers topics that are key to building a business while maintaining positive relationships and showing up as the best person that we can be. She inspired me to stop and reflect on my own awareness of what is going on around me and how I respond in the workplace. I look forward to listening to more of the wonderful content Rika is sharing with the world. Thank you, AMC1007. This is truly a just a platform for me to speak God's word and to just live out the calling on my life. And I'm actually sharing very good news today. As of yesterday, this podcast is globally globally ranked top 5%. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, I'm going to read to you. What does that mean? So on Listen Notes, it's an app or it's a website that ranks podcasts and it reads about the top 5%. What is the global rank? This podcast is one of the top 5% most popular shows out of 3,208,582 podcasts globally, ranked by Listen Score. That's the popularity score. So that is amazing. I praise the Lord for that. That is truly just Him, really, because there's no way that this podcast could have reached top 5% globally without His glory. And very new as well. I have now, the podcast has now ranked in Indonesia. So that's a brand new one. It's also ranked in Hungary. And it's also ranked in the Czech Republic. So that is amazing. So we're, we're topping the charts 
on in various different countries, which is super exciting because it means that I can get God's message out to the world. I can shine a light on workplace culture, on workplace gossip, and the detrimental effects that it can have. But most importantly, I can help you as a leader be the best leader you can be. And not only you will benefit from that, but everyone that works for you and your team and around you will benefit from that. And that is just building God's kingdom. And that is exactly why I'm here is to build his kingdom. So I am truly excited. That is an amazing, that is just truly amazing. Like I logged in the other day, or literally yesterday, and I saw globally top 5%. I was like, whoa, that is amazing. So thank you very much for each of the listeners. It's truly just because of you guys that the the podcast could rank globally top 5%. If it wasn't for the listeners, then the podcast would not be ranked at all. So I thank each and every one of you from whichever country you are listening from, and may God bless you. Okay, so let's get into today's content. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about job interviews. Now, I actually don't know the number of job interviews I've done over the years, but I have done a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I've always got some interesting stories from job interviews. But the one thing that that immediately that comes to mind, what's more most noticeable about doing job interviews over the however many years I've been doing them, is the fact that what always boggles my mind is when people do not turn up for an interview, they don't call, they don't email, they don't anything. They just literally all booked in via email or HR is called and they're all keen. They're so excited that they got an interview and then they literally just don't show up with any word. So that's not a, that's not a red flag that I have on there because obviously you're not going to appoint that person. But what, it just boggles my mind how people can think it's okay to not turn up for an interview without letting the panel members know. It's so rude. So please, if you ever go for a future interview and you cannot make your interview, please just have the courtesy of letting the interviewees know, interviewer know, because it's just crucial. They're sitting and waiting for you. They've given up time in their day for you. And if you've ever been in that position, you will share my frustration that people just waste your time when they don't turn up. And yeah, I've seen some interesting things from people wearing the funniest clothing, like gym clothing to an interview. Like where in your life did you ever hear you wear gym clothing to an interview? I mean, even if you are going to wear gym clothing in your day-to-day, if you're going for an interview at a gym, you still wear professional clothing during your interview unless it was specified that you can wear gym clothing during your interview. So I, one time, a person was even wearing a denim during an interview or jeans. And I actually said to them after the interview, because the interview actually even went very well, but after I walked them to the car and I said, look, you know, I just want to speak to you about your jeans. It's actually very inappropriate to wear jeans to an interview. I thought I would just let you know, just for future reference, you know, I'm here to help you. And I believe you, you actually had a really good interview. But the only thing that I would suggest is the jeans. Don't wear jeans again. And their immediate response was, oh, well, I wasn't going to wear that for work. That's their response to me. And I thought, wow, that's very ungrateful. You could have just said thank you. And I'm really sorry about that. Or I didn't think about that. Or, you know, thanks for letting me know. I won't make that same mistake again. So 
Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a tricky one. I can't. I think that person did get a casual role um, at my organization. They're definitely not a permanent role. But again, like yeah, it just blows my mind how some some people's reactions. <laughs> and as I share this nine flags with you, this nine red flags with you. I'll probably add a number 10 as well because knowing me, I'll probably end up adding a number 10 because I've got so much to say about job interviews. But as I go through this, I'll share some horror stories that I've gone through. And this is exactly why I came up with these 10 or 9 red flags because I have experienced all of this, all of the 9 I've experienced. And like I said, I'll probably add a number 10 because I can, I can probably already think of something that I've not added. Okay, so the first one, the first red flag is they arrived late, they didn't call ahead of time to let you know that they were going to be late, and then they also didn't apologize upon arrival. So, yeah, if that's ever happened to you, that is not a good start for a person who you are interviewing for a job, because that means they're constantly going to be late for work, and they're not going to be apologetic about it. It's just common decency. If you are running late for an appointment, doesn't matter what appointment it is, doctor's appointment, any appointment that you go to and you are late, you give them a call. So if if they had an interview with you, clearly they did not respect your time and that is a major red flag. Now I've got a little bit of a story about this one, like I mentioned, and it's my own personal story of being late for an interview. Now this is a hoot. I hope you have got some tissues ready because you are going to laugh. This is really funny. And I actually can't believe I'm sharing it on air with so many people because for, for, for a very long time I kept this story a secret because I was so embarrassed about it. But hey, Rika's an open book on this podcast. Okay, so I was traveling quite far for an interview I was traveling about three and a half hours to an interview. And if I got the job, I always we always knew that we were going to move cities to go to that job. Okay, so I was traveling and I didn't want to wear my high heels for the three and a half hour drive. All right. So I actually put on my flip-flops or my thongs. And I know the word thong means something different in other countries, but I mean flip-flop. Okay, like a open-toed shoe, not like a sandal. It's not completely a sandal, but it's like a sandal, okay? Um, Okay, sandal has straps, straps over the feet, but okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. I know in South Africa, thong means something different, so that is not what I mean by that. I mean like a flip-flop, okay? Fissy plucky, that's in in Afrikaans, okay? (laughs) And I also had to go and drop my kids off at a friend's house, so I first had to go and drop the kids off, then I had to make my way back. So all in all, it was going to be about a four-hour, three-and-a-half to four-hour trip, so I was not going to wear my, I was actually not going to wear my high heels for that whole trip, okay? So I went to go and drop the kids off and then I was running late because then there was traffic on the highway and so I called ahead. So I I probably called ahead about two hours in advance because I could see on my GPS that I was going to be late and I I just wanted to warn them. This was a really good work opportunity. I didn't want to give up my chance but I was feeling bummed that I was late. So I gave them a call and I said, look, I am actually running late because... I know the interview is only in two hours, but I am going to be running late because I'm driving from far and I can see this traffic here. My GPS says I'm going to be 15 minutes late. So I did my due diligence, dropped my kids off, and sure as Bob, yes, I was late about 15 minutes. But because I was late, I was in a hurry, 
to get to my interview. So guess what I did not do? I didn't change my shoes. Oh, I cringe even thinking about it, all right? And this will tie into the (laughs) point number four, where I'm going to talk about inappropriate clothing. So yes, there's some excuses to the rule here. So I didn't change my shoes. But guess what? I didn't realize it. Oh, okay. So I went through the interview and I apologized profusely for being late. It took me like five to 10 minutes just to get my breath back because I was nervous. I was late. And anyway, so the interview went on and then I did, went on a tour of the of the place because they wanted to give me a tour. And then I went in my car and I went to go and pick up my friend, uh, my kids at my friend's house. Okay, so here we are. I'm telling her all about the interview. We're having a coffee. And the next moment, I look down and I see my shoes. And I'm like, I didn't change my shoes. And I am freaking out. I am freaking out because I didn't change my shoes and I'm racking my brain, going through every single bit of detail in my brain, visualizing the fact that I met all these prominent people and I didn't change my shoes. Oh, I was mortified. Like, I could not believe it. (laughs) So I immediately emailed the agent that I was working through, the recruitment agent, and because I couldn't call, I was hysterical, okay? I just went for a very corporate interview in (laughs) flip-flops. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so I just emailed the the recruitment agent and I told her exactly what happened. And yeah, she didn't get back to me immediately. And then I just wanted to leave. Okay, so now I had another three and a half hour drive to get back home. I am shooting myself because now I've just lost the job opportunity of a lifetime because of my shoes. Okay, so I'm driving home. It's three and a half hours. The kids are crying in the background. They're upset. They don't want to be in the car. And then the recruitment agent calls. And... I just said to her, look, I can't talk right now because the kids are a bit upset. I'll I'll call you back in a minute. And so now I'm nervous because now she's called me. The kids are upset. I just want them to just stop crying so I can just hear what is the verdict of me not changing my shoes. Okay. Okay. So they finally, they they calm down. Um, Baby because I had a little baby, eight month old at the time, he settled down as well and slept, thank goodness, because that's all you don't want to deal with the three and a half hours of crying in the back uh, with the baby. Anyway, and then I call her back and she lets me know <laughs> that she spoke to the person who had who I had my interview with and they thought it went really, really well, except for my shoes. <laughs> they were very disappointed that I... Um, didn't dress appropriately for the interview because I thought the interview went very well. However, because I had sent her that email, she actually had a laugh with the person over the phone and they realized it was just a mistake and they would still like to offer me the job. (laughs) So I still got the job even though I wore the wrong shoes because I actually had a really good interview. So it just goes to show you can still actually wear something inappropriate at least just choose and still get the job, okay? So I think the point of me trying to tell you this story is to say there are exceptions to the rule. 
I mean, if they were very, very, very strict and they basically they, 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 the, the interviewer told the recruitment agent, just tell her she should never wear those shoes again. She's got the job, but she should just never wear those shoes ever again. And I never did, believe me. So, um, and it was a running joke. Like I kept that, that secret for a very long time because I felt so embarrassed over it that I realized, well, no, this is a winning story. This is going to teach people something one day. And hence the reason why I can tell it to so many listeners right now. Uh, and still feel a little bit embarrassed. I'm sure you guys can't see me blushing right now, but believe me, that was a very embarrassing story to tell for a very long time. Okay, so that was my story of running late, but at least I had the decency to let them know that I was running late, right? Two hours in advance, actually. So the next point then is actually inappropriate clothing. That was actually going to be my point number four, but I'm going to change that to point number two. And I'm just going to do it right here on my notes before I say the wrong thing. Okay, so point number two is inappropriate clothing. Okay, so... Look, I wore the wrong shoes, but at least I still had a good interview. But when it comes to inappropriate clothing, it's things like underwear showing. I think that is highly unprofessional if underwear showing or if there's anything see-through. I mean, sometimes it can happen that people don't look to see if it's see-through or not. However, I mean, if you're in, if you're working in a professional environment and you've gone for professional interviews before you'll know to check whether your bra or your underwear is like see-through or sticking out okay and then highly inappropriate if they use their body to gain favor with the panel members okay so this might be anything and I'm not calling out all the women just just all the women it might be men as well that do it by using cleavage or using a short skirt or your legs or anything like that. I mean, it's just highly inappropriate if they do something like that and that should be a major red flag to you. Okay, then number three. Now I've got to get my points right here because now I have renumbered all of them. Okay, I quickly paused for a minute and I fixed all the numbering so I could get it right. Number three, bad mouthing their current or old workplace or boss. Okay, if they are doing that, if they're bad mouthing or talking bad about them, disrespectful, that shows disloyalty. Okay, what are they going to say about you when they leave your organization and move on? So reputations matter, loyalty matters. So if you're having an interview and they are bad mouthing their current old their current or old workplace or even their old boss, then that shows disloyalty. Now, yes, they are allowed to say things like, look, I d- didn't agree with something that my organization did, or I don't agree with that, and that's why I'm looking to change organizations, or our values don't align anymore. Things like that are fine, because that shows honesty. But as soon as it becomes like really bad-mouthing them, like they were a crap boss, or they were... um they were just the worst boss in the world, I would never ever work for that organization ever again, then definitely not. Okay, so I do apologize that I, <laughs> that I used the word crap. <laughs> I just I just had a thought like, oh, should I be saying that on the podcast? But I realized, okay, it's not a swear word. It's just basically a, a <laughs> the, the littlest amount of bad word that I could say that is not that bad, okay? Uh, I don't use bad language often. You can clearly hear that, right? So, but still, if they say anything bad about that person, that's especially disrespectful, that is your number three red flag that you should be looking out for, okay? 
Number four, unprofessional conduct or comments during an interview. Okay, this has happened to me a lot. You can't believe it, all right? Things like swearing, getting angry, crying, racist comments, ageist comments, sexist comments. My goodness, you won't believe. People do not realize because they're in their most vulnerable state when they're in the job interview, okay? So it's like the Freudian slip. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but it's the first thing that comes out of your mouth and then you realize that's not what you wanted to say or that's not what you meant and then you try and revert and you say something else. That's actually called a Freudian slip. So if people by accident swear or by accident get angry and then they realize that's wrong and they try to change it, well, actually that first thing that they did is actually their true personality because that's what came out first right the bible teaches us whatever we put inside our hearts is what's going to come out of our mouth okay so if you are watching a lot of stories with a lot of swearing guess what you'll start swearing as well so yes the bible does actually say that so and i'm trying to teach that even to my teenage daughter at the moment be careful what you watch be careful what you listen to because whatever you put in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth okay so for example i had a person so I was I asked this person the question because we had we had a lot of younger staff members and I posed the question I said look how how do you work with younger people a different generation than you they're the generation Z they now generation alpha is rising up and they're a completely different generation in terms of technology that everyone else is obviously they're not in the workforce yet but they will be very soon how do you think you'll work with those people and very ageist can't think of absolutely he or he she, he or she could not actually tell me do you see what I just did there? I said she, and then I realized that's wrong. I should say he or she so that you guys don't know if it's a he or a she. That is a Freudian slip. I just did it, all right? So this person, I should rather say, um, basically alluded to the fact that they would not be able to work with young people and that young people should just adapt and that they should change the way they are so that the older people don't have to change the way they are. And yeah, there's some truth in that, but I thought, well, this is going to be an issue because how is this person going to work with my younger team? Is there going to be constant conflict? And if and that also potentially shows that that person has a fixed mindset because they are not willing to change the way they are to also fit in with the younger generation. I think it's, it's give and take. The younger generation, yes, they the way they are at the moment, but it's crucial for them to learn how to work with different generations as well. Just as well as the older people, they know, they're going to stay a little bit stuck if they don't get used to all the technology, for example. It's just a simple example, but it is true. And if someone says something like, oh yeah, I'll just leave all the technology to the young people, Yes, that is fine, but what are you going to do? Are you just going to delegate your work then the whole time? Because a lot of work that we do at the moment are on computer or are on with technology. So there's a lot of those types of comments that you can really pick up and be worried. Okay, be worried. Those are red flags, absolutely. But swearing, getting angry and crying, absolute no-nos. Okay, I had an interview once with a lady and I asked the question, I posed a question, I said, have you ever had conflict in the workplace? How did you resolve it? And what was the, what was the end, what was the end result, basically? 
and she had spoken about a conflict with a colleague and it had to do with something very minor. Okay, in my opinion, it was something very minor. Obviously, to her, it was not something minor. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Again, that's why you have to be careful about your own biased opinions during interviews, right? And that is a whole nother podcast, a whole nother podcast episode that I could actually do, how to watch out for your own bias during interviews. But she started crying over this conflict. And I wish I could actually just give you the full example because I really want to so that you can understand how minor it was, but I won't. I will be respectful towards this person. And yeah, I think she shot herself in the foot when she did that. I understand it was a difficult situation. The conflict was clearly not resolved because she was crying about it. And it, it made me wonder, okay, if this person is emotionally struggling like that with a conflict in the workplace, how is she going to struggle with anything else like workload or longer working hours if that was required for end of financial year? Or how is she going to cope if there's something going on in her personal life? How is she going to cope with her workload? So there's a lot of things like that. And fine, some people are more emotional than others. But I think when it comes to a job, I've said this multiple times, you are there to do a job so you can get paid to do that job. So there are some expectations on you to do your job that you are getting paid for. And if your personal circumstances and if their personal circumstances are getting in the way of actually doing the job, they're doing your organization a disservice. And then there should really be some questions about should they be taking leave so that they can get over the issues, or well, not get over it because that sounds awful, but go and deal with the issues so that when they come back, they are able to do their job. And I, everyone, this is now 25 episodes in, you guys know my heart, okay? My heart is for the people, but my heart are also for you guys, the leaders, okay? We, we yes, we have to lead people. The people are unpredictable. They are very, they are the most unpredictable in any organization or in any of all the risks and of all the risk assessments that you have. People are your biggest risk because they are the most unpredictable, but they are still there to do a job because that's what they're getting paid for. And yes, we have empathy. Yes, we have compassion. Yes, we understand what they're going through, but therefore we make a plan. Okay, now I've digressed completely, but it's very important to me that you understand that a person's emotions or personal stuff can't get in the way of them doing their job. So if that's already getting in the way in the interview, then that is a major red flag that you should be looking out for. Number five, unable to answer simple questions about why they really want the job, why they think they are would be, and why they think they'd be a good fit for the role. Now, that just shows to me that number one, they've not done they, they they don't actually really know why they want that job. They just applied for it because maybe, um, you know, for in, in okay, this is a bad example probably, but in Australia we've got a payment called the job seeker payment. So a person who's looking for a job who doesn't have a job at the moment, and I'm, again, biased opinion here, but unfortunately I have actually personally experienced this over the last five years with candidates that are on the job seeker payment. So they can get a job seeker payment. They have to show proof that they've applied for jobs and that they've gone for a certain amount of interviews per month, for example. Let's say if that's once a month. But they have to apply for at least, say, five or ten jobs in a month. So 
the frustration comes in that they are applying for jobs, they're getting interviews, but they're not turning up because they just want to make their quota of applying for jobs. And then number two, they're coming for a job interview, but they had no clue what the job's actually about. They, they can't articulate why they think they'd be a good fit for the role or why they really want the job. Now, that's just one example okay, of, a, of, of that, of people that are on job seeker. And believe me, not all people are like that. That is a very biased opinion. Not all people are like that. And I'm truly sorry if I have offended anybody by saying that. That's not my intention. My intention is just to say that that is one example of how I have experienced people coming into a job interview and they are not able to articulate what they really want because they're not there for the right reasons. Okay, a person who really wants that job will be able to tell you why they are going to be good in that role. They're able to sell themselves of why they're going to be good in that job. Now, there are people who are a little bit more shy during job interviews, but they are still able to tell you why they think they'd be a good fit for the role. And that is a very common interview question. And people should definitely, interviewees should definitely be, be on practicing the answer to that question which leads me into point number six which is they didn't do their research they're unsure of the job role they applied for and they came unprepared so five and six are kind of the same thing but they came unprepared they they don't know anything about the organization it's really impressive if you say you know why do you want to why do you think you'd be a good fit for this role then they say well i had a look on the website and from my research this, this organization has got a really good reputation and they're very strong in X, Y, and Z. And I think I would really fit into that because that ties in with my values of X, Y, and Z. That is a really good answer. Okay, that is a perfect formula to answer that question. But if somebody didn't even do their research, they don't know anything about the organization, they don't know why they'd be a good fit for that role, then they came unprepared. And then maybe they're not as committed to getting the job role as what they think they are. And if you can find a, a candidate that sells themselves better, then they're probably going to be the better candidate. Because that is exactly what an interview is, is selling yourself. It's all about communication skills and connection. You want to connect with that person on the other side because you really, really want to employ someone that's going to be a good fit for you and your organization. Number seven, don't agree, they don't agree with the oh, apologies. Number seven, they don't agree with the values of the company or, or the organization. Now that should actually be really number one, but what I decided to do is obviously run it through like arriving late and then anything that could possibly go wrong during the interview, and then I'll end it off with like the end of the interview. But if they don't agree with the values of the company or, or the organization, you've got a problem. Because that means that they're never going to value or never going to respect the values of the organization. If it's a Christian organization and you're employing someone that is not Christian, then absolutely you should be 100% sure that they will value all the Christian values. For example, integrity or no gossip or whatever that might look like. Then you need to be sure that they are going to value that. And there are some wonderful people. Look, I have worked with a lot of non-Christians that are so respectful of the Christian values for the organizations that I have worked for, more so than people that are Christian, okay? So you can find some really wonderful people out there that are not Christian that will still respect the values of the organization. But you need to make sure that whatever the values are, whether it's Christian or non-Christian, because some 
corporate environments do have values that are that are non-Christian based. That's fine. But as long as the person respects the values of the organization, actually agree with it. And this is another really good question that you can ask. The values of our organization is X, Y, and Z. How do you think you'll be able to live that out on a day-to-day basis? Then they'll be able to tell you, well, let's say, for example, the, the value is integrity. Then they'll be able to tell you, well, I really strive for integrity in my life. Integrity to me means doing the right thing all the time, whether somebody's listening or whether somebody's looking or not. So on, my, on a day-to-day basis, I'm going to strive to follow all policies and procedures in this organization. I'm going to strive to give the customer the best experience possible and I'm going to show integrity to the customer and I'm going to be I'm going to be an open book and I'm going to tell them and I'm going to help them and x y and z. So that is a really good very 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 good if somebody will align with your values but very big red flag if they're not going to align with your values. And how will you know that? They'll tell you. You can ask that question and you'll soon be soon be able to find out as well just through the way that they talk, whether they align with your values or not. Now, number eight is inconsistency with the stories they tell versus their resume so or their CV. So you have their CV in front of you, and now they you, you're asking them questions, but they are themselves unsure about the timeline on their resume. There's gaps in the resume. They can't answer questions about those gaps, or they don't want to because potentially it's an employer that they work for that they were fired from and they don't want that on their resume. They want to erase that memory or they don't want you to find out about it. Or, for example, they say that they've worked for an org for organization X for so many years, but then you get onto their resume and all that they've put on is organization Y for two years. It's not even on there. So, yeah, just inconsistencies between what they say and what's actually on their resume. That's going to be another big red flag for you. Number nine, fixed mindset during the interview. So they seem unwilling to change from the way that they have always done things. So, for example, you can probe, for example, questions like, we've just implemented a new software. Have you ever worked with the software before? Then they can say, no, I've not worked with the software before, but actually I've used the alternative of that software then you can say okay would you be willing to learn the new software and then they'd say something like no 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 I've always used this software so I'd really prefer if the organization could use that software because that's what I'm really good at I mean that seems like the most bizarre and silliest thing that anybody could ever say but believe me it's happened okay so if they're unwilling to change they're not learning to learn new they're not willing to learn new things you tell them about an exciting project coming up and they just don't they seem disinterested for example i ended up putting the no gossip policy in every single interview and i said to them this is a no gossip environment what do you think about that then some of them would look a bit unsure and others would say, that sounds amazing because I've just come from an environment where it's so gossip and I, I can't wait to be part of a thriving organization. Other, I'm telling you, some people have looked at me and said, really, do you even think that's possible? They made a snide comment like that. And then I think to myself, well, yeah, you don't even think it's possible because there's, then guess what? If you think it's possible, it's possible. If you don't think it's possible, then it's not possible. So yes, fixed mindset, mm-mm. 
Okay, and then yes, I told you I was going to add a number 10. Number 10, okay, is if you do not feel confident in your gut, in your heart, that this person is the right person for the job, then please do not employ them. Remember what I told you about listening to the word of God, of listening to God. If there's a storm in your heart, if you feel that uncomfortableness about this person, then find a way to not employ them. And I've actually had a situation in the past where I just did not feel that this person was right for the job. I felt it in my heart. I knew that this person was going to be trouble and I just did not want to employ them. Unfortunately, the HR person didn't agree with me on paper. They looked great for the role. And I just said, look, I don't feel comfortable with this person. We had an interview and I just don't think they're going to be a good fit. They might look great, but I don't think they're going to fit in our organization's culture. So it didn't end up employing them. And there was a lot of frustration, I guess, between myself and the other person for not wanting to employ this other person. But in the end, I... I mean, I just didn't want to employ that person. And what can you say? We, we had a good interview, but I just didn't feel comfortable with it. And I think that is what makes it a little bit tricky, is if you don't have a leg to stand on to say why you don't want to employ that person. Now, just remember throughout your interview to document as much as possible, for example, body language, their language, the personal info that they shared, because all of that will affect their ability to do the job and will affect your decision afterwards. If you're doing 10 interviews in a row, by the 10th one, you're nearly not going to remember the first one anymore. So you absolutely have to write as much information as possible, write down how they looked, what clothing that they wear to jog your memory, especially, like I said, if you've got 10 people coming for an interview or more then that's going to be quite crucial that you remember all those things so that when you get into your panel discussion afterwards or you and your pan other panel member or interviewer so that you can discuss the people and the interviewees and the candidates and how they went and what were some red flags that you noticed. So yes, absolutely also write those red flags down on your piece of paper and remember the pieces of paper or the, the interview pack that you have should is confidential information. So that should absolutely be kept confidential afterwards in a file so that if that person ever comes back and say, you know, why didn't I get the job and they sue you or whatever the reason might be, you've got all of that backed up. But if your organization does not provide feedback afterwards to people about why they don't get the interview, please change that. I think it's awful if organization organizations ghost candidates afterwards. Because I have heard of many organizations, they just don't call the candidates. They don't let them know that they didn't get the job. They just ghost them. I think that's so awful. If we're expecting candidates not to ghost us for interviews, then why are we ghosting them back if they didn't get the job afterwards? I mean, a simple call to say, or email, to say, thank you so much for coming in. I'm Unfortunately, you didn't get the job at this point in time. We're keeping your resume on file for any future job openings. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. Then if they contact you or the HR and say, look, I'm just looking for some feedback, then you've got the documentation. And you can say, look, you had a great interview, but I just don't think that you're right for the culture. Or a red flag to me was your disloyalty towards your, your current organization. That was a red flag to me because I, I want you to be loyal to the people who you are still working for. 
X, Y, and Z. I think there's nothing wrong with giving feedback like that, but people are scared. It's the same as anything that I've said on this podcast. People do not give feedback because they're scared of the other person's reaction. Okay, so send an email. If you're so scared of the other person's reaction, just send an email because then it's in writing. Okay, and if they want to then blast you back on an email, even further proof as to why you should not employ them. Okay, so please keep a close lookout for these 10 red flags, which I mentioned in the end. But I also renamed the name of this episode, which should have been nine red flags, and now it's going to be 10 red flags. Okay, so just a quick recap. They arrived late and they didn't call ahead. Inappropriate clothing, bad-mouthing their current or old workplace, unprofessional conduct or comments, unable to answer simple questions, didn't do their research, don't agree with your values, inconsistency with stories, fixed mindset, and you just don't feel confident. Okay, so those are my 10 red flags, and I hope that that will really help you with any future interviews. And something that I didn't mention, but just want to mention it towards the end, pray, pray before the time, just pray before that God will show you which candidate is the one that you should choose because God wants to help you. He wants to hold your hand, okay? But he's also given you a brain, okay? He's given you a brain to think, he's given you eyes to see, he's given you ears to hear, okay? So, um... He's giving you five senses that you can use. And if you are without one of those senses, I do apologize for saying that. I I didn't mean to offend anybody. But God has given you senses that you can use to your advantage, okay? Especially when it comes to job interviews. And yes, I would just really like to wish you all good luck on any future job interviews that you hold as a leader uh, with the candidates. And if you are going for a job interview, please remember all the things that I said and don't make those mistakes, okay? <laughs> Become, uh, do prepare for your interview, please. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day and enjoy the weekend wherever you are. And wherever you are listening to in the world, please leave a review because that is going to just do the podcast really well. It's going to ensure that it ranks even further so that we can get the word of God out and I can get my message and my calling from God out to the world. All right. I love all you, my listeners in podcast in podcast land, and I hope you enjoy your weekend. Bye so much for listening if this podcast blessed you in some way the number one way you can thank me is by leaving a review your feedback means the world to me and lights me up every single time when i read it and it makes me want to keep going so please leave a review and your review will also help other christian women in leadership find the answers they are looking for so whether you're on spotify or apple Podcasts, scroll down to the review section and leave that review Then head over to womenoffaithinleadership.com and join our free Facebook community and I look forward to engaging with you there.